60. You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. <laughs> Why you always kill the fucking bumper, dude? Because it's fun. <laughs> well, as Chris alluded to, this is episode number 60 mm. of Real Crime. Yes, it is. Oh, God. You know, as you sip that Gatorade. Sponsored by Gatorade, but Sponsored. not really. Yep. But we're all drinking Gatorade. We got, I'm not. I'm not drinking Gatorade. <laughs> I'm low on electrolytes. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of salt in that shit, though, isn't there? Mm-hmm. It's a little salty. Because I, 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 that's why I won't drink it. Oh god, oh, man. that's why I won't Typical drink it Tuesday though. Night. Yeah, oh. there we go. Just <laughs> another Tuesday night at the old Kistner house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tuesday night salty salt- club. Mm, salty beverages, <laughs> and it's like warm too. It's room temperature. Oh. You nearly drank the whole damn thing already, I too. I told you I was thirsty. thirsty. But you're going to be even more thirsty because you drank Gatorade. It's got a shit ton of salt in it. Don't tell me how to live my life. I'll drink what I want. Well, here, here's some water. <laughs> you have a problem. Here's the, here's the thing, Michelle. You want to talk that shit to me, in a couple minutes, you're going to be begging me for this I'm going to be really thirsty he's later. Like, he's like the Donald Trump of beverages. <laughs> oh, like, you oh, want God. it, well, God, you can't we have it. Here we go. Here we go. And we're off. Yep. <laughs> So, yes, thank you. We're all here tonight. Uh, myself, um, whoever I am, the, the lovely Chris uh, leading leading the parade here as usual, the lovely Michelle in the corner, and the most lovely man I know, Mr. Chris. Oh, this Chris Jordan, second Chris. Chris 2. Chris, well, you're Chris 1. He's Chris 2. Fuck that guy. <laughs> he's, well, Chris, thank you. he's Chris Prime. He's Chris, yeah. Chris Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, we got a very interesting show for you guys tonight. Um, lots of goodies. To discuss, and I don't want to leak it too hard. You know, you you put the you put the screen. We have this like really awesome screen in our studio here, which you know I we never I never really pointed this out, and I really do think we should point this out. I and th- I'm being dead serious right now. No joking at, at all here. Chris has provided us a very 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 nice studio here to do lush. the show in, um, and we're a lush studio. Um, you'll be seeing more of the studio as we start doing more webcasts down the road. That's kind of something that's it'll it'll be starting back up again. But Chris does provide a very wonderful place for us to do this show in. I do really. I mean, I'm dead serious here. Yeah. Thank you for doing that because you yeah. do put a lot of time into this and the show, make the show sound great uh, and make it easy for us to do here. And that's all, Chris. That's all you, man. So Thank yeah, you. ten points to you thank brother. you but what i was what made me think about that was <laughs> thank you thank you what made me think about that is just before i was getting ready to leave here from my mansion over here to chris's mansion uh, you put a picture of of the show up on instagram yeah and i'm like you're leaking it you're killing it for all of us dude it's like a girl who wears a thong and lets it hang out. I don't want to know about the secrets, dude. I let let me let me wonder what happens. I don't need to see your underwear. Nah, it's a good way to promote it. No, it's cool. I just noticed that. I'm like, hey, he put the thing up there already. They're gonna know what we're talking. Well, yeah, kind of know. Spoiler alert! I guess. All oh, millions shit. of listeners. I don't know. So yeah, so those of you who are on Instagram and follow us on Instagram, you already know what the damn sh- this damn show is about already. Hey, yeah. what, what's our Instagram name, by the way? So if somebody wanted to follow. Love us. the movie sixty nine. I was just trying to promote the show. I know. <laughs> Love, <sighs> lo- what was that again? Loves to spooge sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> what it, what is our uh, handle on Instagram? There probably is one. To be honest, there probably is. I'm sure there is. <laughs> the movie sleuth on Instagram. Yes, beautiful. Yeah. Come visit us. Look at all the 
Great pictures of Chris, uh, Chris's ass. He loves putting <laughs> pictures of his ass up on there. One in every ten pictures is his ass, and this then is, the other is, nine uh, is like movie related. No, stuff. that's my alternative Instagram ass to ass. <laughs> a to A. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he does all these artistic pictures, like just different colors, different lighting, you know, just di- different contrasts, whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, check out A to A on Instagram. <laughs> also, that's Chris's other channel. <laughs> That's probably actually a thing, and right now oh, someone's I'm sure listening. Oh, dude, oh, thank you oh, God, so no. much, man. Thank you. Oh, my God, we it's finally like, got some credit. Shout out. <laughs> so, all right, at the episode 60, a uh, lot of cool stuff coming up here that you might know about, might not know about, but first, God, you look like shit today, Chris. Dun, dun, dun. You look horrible. <laughs> thank you. What the hell happened to you this week? I was beat by white supremacists at a rally. <laughs> You were just trying to get some news. I was just trying to get show. some news. He's just like, I just went on about the movies, guys. <laughs> Why are you beating me <laughs> you like beating this? Me? <laughs> what do we have this week in the news, Chris? Okay. In the news this week, Ozark, the Netflix show starring Jason Bateman, has officially gotten a season two order at Netflix. So that's pretty cool. Got him excited. Yeah. Have any of you guys watched that at all yet or not? Not yet. I've heard it's pretty good. It's yes. pretty good. Nothing My wife sat through the whole thing years. in like two nights. So, mm. Um, mm. Daniel Craig says he's not holding out for more money on the next James Bond, which I kind of have a hard time believing. I mean, just do the fucking movie already. You're not doing anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do another James Bond. It was open ended. He could do another James Bond. I'd be totally fine. Yeah. In other exciting, exciting news, License to Drive is getting a remake at Fox. Why? I don't know. I didn't think people really remembered the original all that fondly. Was that the one, if I remember correctly, License to Drive was the one with the, where he's like, you got, the lady thought she was in a doctor's office, but she was actually at a garage, and he's like, you you got to jam a bunch of grease right up in there, up in the rear end or something like that. Am I, am I totally? I, I don't remember, but this is one of the Corey movies. It's a ridiculous movies. movie. Yeah, at, at least, at least one Corey, right? Uh, both of them were <laughs> in this. It's a ridiculous oh, movie. Yes. Or maybe I'm totally off the, I get, no, I'm thinking about the movie with the driving school movie. Okay. Totally off. Never mind. Anyways, moving on. Moving on. All right, yeah. Right, moving good. on. Moving on. Mm. Annabelle, the sequel. Doubled its budget in its opening weekend. It made $35 million in one weekend against a $15 million budget. It's actually one of the most profitable movies of 2017. Right behind behind Get Out, which is the most profitable movie of 2017 now. Yeah. Get Out Out only cost like, I think it was like seven or nine million dollars or something like that to make. But yeah. Annabelle made $35 million in its opening weekend. They're already talking about another sequel. Outstanding. So, yep. It was actually really, really good. That was like, it's a prequel to the prequel, it's, right? It's a prequel to the prequel, and they use a lot of the same old school shooting style they used on The Conjuring. Huh. Like, it has that old, like, 70s, 80s, like, dirty kind of grit feel very dark and they use a lot of practical effects in this one too sweet so like they, okay there's like cool. a demon they show in this one and he's like oily and black and just like little beady eyes but it's all practical, practical effects. Yeah. oh that's so that's, cool. that's very cool yeah it, there's a couple plot holes in it and it gets a little long it's like an hour and 51 minutes so for annabelle it's a little bit long yeah but overall it's a really really good movie i was totally shocked um and then 
Last bit of news. This kind of goes along with our topic tonight. They announced today there is a George Romero box set coming out called the Night and Dawn set. It's going to have the crazies, Season of the Witch, There's Always Vanilla, and a documentary <clears throat> that's actually called Between Night and Dawn. So Very that's cool. our news for this week. Small right. money down the drain. Thank yep. you. Yeah, gotta gotta love those Arrow Video box sets. And yes. then new in releases. Our new releases this week. We've got Wind River, which I actually saw today. Pretty damn good. Logan Lucky is coming out. Mm. The new one with Daniel Craig in it. And then the Hitman's Bodyguard, which there was a screening for that tonight, but unfortunately I could not attend. So because we had the podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Suggested viewing for this week, Chris. Oh, it's all on me, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay, my suggested viewing for this week is actually a horror film that I had the pleasure of watching on Friday night. It's a newfound footage movie called The Monster Project, and it's really, really cool. Because is, that, is it on Netflix? It's not on Netflix yet. I think it doesn't come out until the 18th. I actually interviewed the director today. Really neat spin on the found footage thing. Yeah, it's a YouTube crew out in LA, and they've got their channel set up, and they decide they want to do a series of videos where they interview people that think they're monsters. And their first episode is going to be they're going to interview a skinwalker slash lichen slash werewolf, a vampire, and a demon. Hmm. And so they invite them all to this warehouse to interview them for their YouTube channel yeah. and basically all hell breaks loose. But it was a really new, like cool huh. new spin on the found footage thing. So that's one that I'm definitely, definitely going to suggest if you're into horror. Hot. Michelle. Yeah. Uh, well, I rewatched uh, Shin Godzilla because I bought it, the Funimation Blue, and it's still really good. So if anybody hasn't watched Shin Godzilla yet, I think they should check it out. Um, I watched a lot of other just weird random stuff. So that's the mo- more main one, I think. Yeah. And th- and the funny thing was a lot of people literally just saw it a month ago when it came out because it had a super limited theatrical yeah. run, like two or three weeks and very few theaters. So if you're if you've been holding out on a good Godzilla movie, then definitely give it a watch. Outstanding. Cool. Yeah, still need to pick that up. Outstanding. Outstanding. Chris, it's your turn. Spit one out, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the last movie that I watched that was really good, this is kind of borrowing from Scott's usual territory. I watched that uh, Sound City documentary that I hadn't gotten around to seeing yet. I haven't gotten around to that either. It's it's really, really good. Yeah, uh, produced and directed by Dave Grohl and Mm -hmm. featuring him prominently and like all about, I mean... That studio, but almost more so, like, the really unique board that was there that attracted, like, all these musicians there to record on it. And just, like, this idea of, you know, in the pre-digital era when, like, just the craftsmanship of, like, soundboards being, like, really unique. one and kind of things. Yeah. 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 And just, like, all the people who are in it, who he brings back, like, all these crazy, like, you know, from, like... You know, like Neil Young to Trent Reznor, mm-hmm. and like just really, really eclectic bunch of people, and you know, the whole second half is him getting them all together to like record sort of a supergroup album yeah. on this on this console, yeah. and yeah. so you know, and there's like part of it is basically like 
Nirvana fronted by Paul McCartney mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's yeah. just super, super cool. I've been hearing a million great things about that, and I just need to get my act together and and actually watch it. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> it was fascinating, and the the array of people that I mean, because he's Dave Grohl, he was yeah. able to get for this thing is absolutely insane. Dave and the Grohl, amount of people yeah. who you know yeah. use that studio is just this like crazy journey through. Dave Grohl, I think there's like four or five Dave Grohls running around because that guy is ungodly busy all the time doing things. I mean, every single music documentary I watch, and I watch a bunch of them, right? Um, He's always interviewed in, you know, it's a running joke. Like, you know, it isn't a documentary nowadays if you don't have Dave Grohl being there because apparently he like listens to every single form of music out there. You know what I mean? Um and you know, and he's just doing movies. He's doing documentaries. Obviously, he does music. He's just yeah. he just did a new Food Fighters record. I think it's coming mm-hmm. out pretty soon. So that guy's super busy, and that documentary is a testament to like the work that he does. He's a fantastic. Oh guy. yeah, yeah. No, it's a really, really good. Thanks. Really you just gave me a film. kick in the butt. I have to watch that now. I'm going to make sure I get that done. Now. It's really, really good. Yeah, I should I've seen it like three times. Yeah, it's one of those documentaries that you will miss things. That you didn't see the first time because yeah. there's so oh, yeah. much going on in it. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely, definitely see it. Yes, Killer Joe. Yeah, uh, makes me want chicken. This kid. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You want me to feed it to you? That scene is so uncomfortable. That whole movie's uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> Chris suggested this to me on the show last week, live on the show, and he gave me a copy after the show, and I. Immediately went home and watched it the next night, and I just sat there, kind of with my jaw on the floor, going, "Jesus Christ!" It makes you want to take a shower after you watch it. it it's, a, it's a it's a grimy movie. It's yeah, Matthew McConaughey. He just never disappoints. Yeah, everything I see him and I love him more and more. Don't watch The Dark Tower then. Yeah, I, it's going to make you sad. I've heard stories about that already, but yeah, that's a that's a very um, uncomfortable movie to really watch. Um, and I, and like the last fifteen minutes of that movie, it really it, it just builds up and builds up. And that last fifteen minutes, it's like, okay, I am completely in control now. Mm-hmm. This is my house now. I own this whole thing. Um, and the ending just blew my mind. I love the I love the ending of the film. <laughs> you know? And I don't like those like cutoffs like that generally, but the way it ended, I was like, dude, that's awesome. You know, right to the credits. So yeah, thanks, Chris, for the suggestion on that. I haven't had much time to watch anything. I did buy. And I know I'm going to take a complete and utter beating on this, but I got on my bike after work, came home, rode my bike to the store, and I bought a brand spanking new copy of Alien Covenant. Uh, I also bought Alien oh Covenant God, today. You're both dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like Alien Covenant. I know. I know. Hey, Chris, I love Trump. I want to sleep with Trump. Okay. I want to see Trump nude. <laughs> I want to see him freaking nude. No, yeah. I, 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 I'm a completist. You're a completist. I, Had to happen. I genuinely liked Alien Covenant. I thought it was it a has cool problems. Flip. It's but got problems. I, I liked it. But you know, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that again. This because it's the same bullshit they did with Prometheus, though. You know, okay, the Blu-ray set, and this, you know what? I mean, this blue, like the Prometheus set that yeah. came out was pretty extensive. It was a pretty heavy packed buy. Yeah. Right? This one is a lot. Less, I mean, they didn't. Beer. They didn't put a lot into it. I mean, as far as like the the packaging. Now, there's oh, a steel book. Uh, yeah, I, I got the. You the got the steel book. No, I, I got the Target limited edition. There's a hardcover book that's all like the. Why did I just go there? Damn the, it! 
Okay, anyway. Every time one of these big movies is coming out, I always look at all the different stores. Like, yeah. who has the coolest exclusive? They, they did have an exclusive. I, do that I think Best Buy had the. <laughs> Best Buy had the the Steelbook edition, oh yeah, also which is pretty cool. As they are wont to do. So I got my I got my ship head edition apparently, the plastic and cardboard edition. But yeah, they, as I was saying, they they're marketing this one the same way though, because all these damn plot holes we know about, right? Yeah. That we saw in the theatrical release. Uh, Ridley Scott's doing the same thing as Prometheus. He's like, well, you're gonna get some answers with the with the Blu-ray set. Mm-hmm. So all the deleted shit, and I guess there's a there's like an hour, like a couple hours worth of like interviews. Damn. Yeah, so yeah. There's a lot of stuff for the you know if you want to nerd out, that's what I'm gonna do with the thing. That's why I bought awesome. it. So I am gonna. Am I suggesting that? I don't I'm, know. Maybe suggest it. I don't know if I want to suggest it because Chris do will it. fire me, dude. I'll be off the do show it. if I suggest it. You know, maybe when it's like two ninety nine at Family Video, I'll buy it. <laughs> It just does not fit into the chronology for me. Like, I don't love the movie. You know, it's just, it was bland for me. And that's, that's it all I'm going to say about I, it. I think it did fall a bit flat. I think I said that when we saw it originally in the yeah. theater. It did fall a bit flat for me. But that's really why I want, and I think you probably agree with me on this, Chris. That's why I want to go back and I want to digest it a few more times and see, you know, okay. Yeah. You know, there's been a handful of films like that that I've seen and I'm like, ah. Eh. Yeah, I really, I think where it falls flat is that ending set piece that doesn't need to be there, and it's just like aliens, but not as good. Yeah. Yes. Uh, everything before that, that, uh, like I've said before, like it feels like sort of equal parts, Island of Dr. Moreau and mm-hmm. H.P. Lovecraft's Case of Charles Dexter Ward in space. Yeah, yeah. And I really, really like it for that, and everything with uh, David and Walter, like that whole dynamic and the I love weird that. philosophy stuff. I, yeah. I loved all that. I, I just think the majority yeah. of the cast was meat. Oh yeah, <laughs> they were. I mean, they they were, were meat. They there had... were literally like two interesting I characters I among all the all the humans. I, really wasn't I honestly for forgot that Billy Crudup was in that for a <laughs> while. Uh, you know, that's the sad thing about Billy Crudup is he's such an amazing actor and he never gets a great role other than like in Watchmen, yeah. you know, playing Dr. Manhattan. Yeah, like, well, that was awesome. The really great. Yeah. Bill, that Bill is Crew his movie. one really yeah. great movie, but the dude is always just like, you know, pushed aside by other actors and mm-hmm. it sucks because this yeah, guy, yeah. like, like if you see him in rudderless, he's amazing. I mean, like, uh, he needs bigger and better roles. But. He does, yeah. And Covenant really underutilized him. Yeah. Uh, I was still surprised by how actually good Danny McBride was. Yeah, He's I a like him. He's fantastic. Yeah, he is, yeah. Fantastic. Definitely. I agree 100%. All right, so, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to take us off into that rabbit hole, but <laughs> we did it. It's it's a good came movie, out, It came out today. It's topical. Come yeah. on, Chris. Just be nice about it. I'm being nice. I just <laughs> want you to finger me. Your flute. Finger Gross. my flute. Finger your flute. <laughs> Michael Fassbender could totally do the Yeah, he could finger my flute shit. Yeah. Oh. oh. <laughs> I'll play his skin flute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now you can think about that when you watch your movie. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be great when Amber and I are watching that tomorrow. Night. What's wrong with you, Scott? Nothing. Why are you crying? It's like one single tear. (laughs) (laughs) She ruined it for me. (laughs) As if as if the flute playing scene wasn't already like Like really sexual. (laughs) 
there is no way that that is not intended to be a really homoerotic scene. Oh, I totally double was. Michael Fassbender's. Absolutely. If it's any consolation, I do the same thing, Michelle. I love that man. <laughs> oh so, yeah. Yes. I th- we we've so established take that with that, you, Chris, like, when you watch one hundred percent of movie sleuths would fuck Michael Fassbender. Yes. <laughs> All of us across yes. the board. That includes Chris's dog, too. Oh, God. I, I just went there. I'm sorry. That was no bad. peanut butter in this equation. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm sorry. No, we're going to stop there. I didn't mean to do that. That was really bad. Let's have an uncomfortable second. Okay, okay moving on. Let's go. All right. All right. You guys just let that sink in in the listening yeah. audience right now. Just think about that for a second. So our topic for tonight, another uncomfortable second. How to finger an android? Oh, God. No. George Romero. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. That Dog is our food. topic for the night. Um, I'm going to say this right out of the gate, and I was crying about this when I got here. I have been fucked working in my professional life. Mm. Um, so I'm going to do whatever I can here. I'm going to try. But you guys are really the pros here. You're the experts on this, uh, you know, on this man. Um, so, you know, it's, it's our usual thing. We're just going to kind of trip out here for a while. Um, but Chris... Okay, fine. What are, you, what are you giggling about now? What's so damn funny? <laughs> no, We're going to trip balls on George Ramiro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, dude. He's so, got some shrooms. <laughs> I guess, Chris. Oh, my God. All right, I'm done. You guys just go at it. <laughs> Somebody say something besides so, me. George Romero. Huh? George Romero. All right. George Romero. Let's, let's talk about George Romero. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, you got to say rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, man. man. Yeah, no, that was That was one bummer. of the most surprising celebrity deaths. Oh, like, yeah, well, it, it just came out of nowhere. Well, because yeah, he was making Comic-Con appearances yeah. like two weeks before that. Like, that you know, really I, I had accelerated. the biggest sad thing in my life because they had the, uh, what's the the horror festival that comes here? Oh, Motor City Nightmares. Motor City yeah. Nightmares. I've never been. And uh-huh. this year, George Romero was there. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to meet him and take a picture with him. And something came up and I couldn't go. And then I found oh. out he died. And I was like, God, like, yeah. that's why you got to meet your idols, man, because you yeah. never know. I mean, and it, didn't, it wasn't like he'd been in poor health like publicly or anything I mean, maybe he was privately but it, nobody was ever like oh he's kind of sick or he's got this or that he's just like dead like out of nowhere yeah. so, like, if like, he, and he had to have had cancer for probably months or maybe he just found out when it was stage four or something like yeah. right yeah then. yeah but but yeah he went from comic-con appearances to yeah. dead in like two a weeks. month like, yeah it was like really a month scary but I think Poor that's guy. the most poetic way, though, honestly. I mean, if it was one of those long, drawn-out things where it's like, well, yeah, George is out of commission here for, like, the last year of his yeah. life. I mean, yeah. you hear about that all the time. I mean, I hate to use it. Ric Flair right now is, like, oh, really yeah. sick. You know, and I know it's not related at all, but I just heard about that today, and I'm like, okay. You know, it's one of those things like, okay, I hope this guy just doesn't lay in bed for, like, a year or two mm-hmm. and then fizzle out. Just, mm. just, you know, he had a great life. Go. And George you know I mean? Romero was pretty dang old too. Yeah, he yeah. was old. And I think, uh, given given his body of work, I think you know he he don't owe anybody anything. No, <laughs> no he made he definitely made his his mark for sure. So, do we want to start from the bottom up or the bottom down or how? I we say want we to do start it? with his zombie stuff because that's the most Absolutely. you know iconic stuff he did. Well, I mean, yeah. without this guy, really. None of the other zombie shit that we watch, The Walking Dead, oh, any yeah. of this stuff, none of it would exist it at all. all. It yeah. all comes from Night This and was Dawn, him. He sure. he started this, correct? He did? Well, yeah. there were zombies before him, but they were a different kind. He invented like the modern interpretation of the zombie with yes. the shambling Walking Dead type of thing. 
But before that, there were like uh, voodoo zombies. They didn't call them zombies also, though. They were just like, you know, spirits or uh, demons that the shamans would bring back to life. But they never really just called them zombies. Okay, just just forewarning you, I've read books on zombies and zombie history because that's the kind of person I am. So. Well, cool. This is your wheelhouse. Glad, this is you're, my glad wheelhouse. you're bringing that expertise. Well, nobody, everybody doesn't like zombies now because they got too popular, and everybody's like, "Fuck zombies!" or played out. And I'm like, "But I liked them." Before. That's like a hipster thing to say. But I liked them before mm-hmm. they were popular, so cool. I still love them, and I have a lot of useless zombie knowledge. But he pretty much invented the modern zombie yeah. that we know and love today. Yes, the modern Absolutely. version of it. Now he wrote and directed Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Am I cor- mm-hmm. I'm correct on yes. that, right? Yes. That my mom will always go down to say that between that film and The Exorcist, those are the scariest things she's ever seen, ever. Mm-hmm. Now it's my mom, and she hasn't seen <laughs> some of the horrible shit that we've had to put ourselves through. But I mean, it does really put a hook in you, at least for me, to hear that from my mother. Um, now she saw that shit when it came out. Yeah, so it would have been she saw that like, in the really theater. Like, revolutionary yeah. she saw game that, changer yeah. at the time. She saw that in the theater. So, you know, I, I try to take myself and put myself in her shoes to actually see a film like that in the theater when it first came out. And now, 60, 50 years later, basically, mm-hmm. um, with that many years behind us, this film still holds up. It, it does. still holds up. It really does. Um it's not even like the funny thing about it is I rewatched it the night that uh, his death was reported, and I always I'm always surprised by how little gore there actually is in it. It's not gory. It's it's yeah. not gory at all. There's a couple of little bit of like you know eating scenes, but everything happens off camera. But yes. the way that it's, I think what was extremely scary to people about it when it first came out is because horror movies before that were very uh, stilted, filmed, like, it's like film like a film, you know, like, it, but uh, Night of the Living Dead has that gorilla documentary, faux documentary yeah, style that yeah. makes yeah. it seem more realistic. And people were like, whoa. Yeah, like, like a, it, lot, a lot of handheld. Yeah, the, just the entire way it it's just filmed in the in the atmosphere is very uh, it feels like something that could really happen and i think that's what made it a little bit more horrifying to people yeah it's kind of yeah. like uh, war of the worlds in that it's kind of uh, you know it, it's progressing and and like some of it's like uh, got a narration voiceover of like it looks like a newscast where they're, they're like interviewing mm-hmm. people and stuff yeah so I think that realistic style is what made it stand out. And that's probably what freaked your mom out. She was used to like, you know, yeah. Dracula movies. And all of a sudden this came out of nowhere with people eating people and stuff. She was like, Ugh. Well, yeah. for, for the day, I'm sure it was like, I'm sure that was really gory for the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like those were kind of famously like real raw animal mm-hmm. organs that he was making his extras munch on, <laughs> which is kind of. Well, the thing up. is, it wasn't theatrical. There wasn't the romantic aspect about yeah. anything in the, in this film. It was just it, it was what it was. It was presented that way. That here it is. This is not polished. This is raw. This is rough. Um, and yeah, I think trying to put myself in her shoes. I think that's that's really what you're you're right, Michelle. I think that's what really put the hook in her was just how different it was and that style. I mean, look around you today. It's still being. Yeah, it's still being done, man. So, and it was an indie production too, so it, it he was able to kind of do whatever he wanted because I'm 
pretty positive regular Hollywood wouldn't have let him make a movie like that with their oh, funding. No way. No so way. he, you know, they made it with like a shoestring budget, which is inspirational to many filmmakers after that that were like, hey, we can make whatever we want on our own budget. We don't need big Hollywood, you know, telling us what to do with our yeah. movies. Yeah. 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 Beautiful movie. And I think yes. that movie, movie, you know, were people really scared to go to cemeteries before that movie? You know, I mean, that was just it's like, worse. you know, it's all peaceful. And then next thing you know, zombies everywhere. Yeah. Well, that movie, it does a really good job of kind of like playing on paranoias mm-hmm. about that and just like the level of like mistrust between the people in the house. Yeah. And like the way, like that kind of model of like the really small scale horror movie where like just the tension kind of just makes everybody just go crazy and start to turn on each other and i mean yeah it kind of introduces the whole like you know kind of dark side of human nature theme that runs throughout all those but yeah i feel like that was probably the or one of the first of those like really claustrophobic modern kind of psychological horror movies well i think it was also really interesting that he chose to release it in black and white when everything else was being released in color yeah. at that time and it really it gives it a much scarier feel being yeah. in black and white you know it's kind of like he was completely going against the grain by doing that yeah and i'm sure part of that was budgetary i'm sure they couldn't afford to shoot in color but i i would never want that film to be in color i don't think it would be nearly as moody there's a and colorized creepy. version yeah there are colorized yeah, versions they look they're, terrible. they're not it looks, good yeah it looks awful it's yeah, like that, like idea. how high contrast the yeah. cinematography is. Just yeah. like the really deep shadows. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Well, there was that era in the 80s, if you remember, Chris. Oh, Turner yeah. Classic Movies? Where they Colorized were do- they were colorizing movies. everything. Oh, it, they, they couldn't. They, so bad. There wasn't one thing they wouldn't put their hands on and colorize it. And it, and it, we, we were fed this stuff like, oh, man, it's, it's in color now. It's totally <laughs> way cool. And we're like, fucking no. And, and it looked, they all, not one of them looked good. No, no, because they were meant said, to be looked, seen yeah. that way. Yeah. They're meant to be seen that way. And Night of the Living Dead is meant to be in black and white. Yeah. And now we're doing the it opposite was, where we have black and white versions of all our movies coming yeah, out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. But doing the colorization thing, it just it it just doesn't look natural. It distorts the film. It makes it look terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like that stuff it wasn't shot to be in color, so, like, you know, the way they did the art design would have been very different. Like, they wouldn't have, like, you know, you color things on the set or costumes or makeup for shade, not color. Like, they're making it yeah. look good in black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, like, things like blood in gore, when it's in black and white, to me, it is much more terrifying because it's just dark black. It's not yeah. this bright red color. It's, like, got this oil, like, fluidity to it, so... Well, you know, the thing about Romero, though, too, and as we go through his filmography, let's say, um, when he does color, it's amazing looking. Like, and I'll I'll expand on this when we get to these these points, but he did color amazing also. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it was a a part of the time, too. He just couldn't do everything in black and white. Yeah. But... uh, you know, and we'll get to that too. But it's just something that made me it made me think about that. Um, you know, and again, we're kind of bouncing here, but I mean, I never saw this film. Uh, There's always Vanilla. That was seventy one. He directed that. Did anybody ever? Oh, we're just that? going up his filmography. I, well, I, mean, I didn't just, see. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't see this one. Yeah, from from what I have heard, that one was kind of like a 
paycheck one that I think he actually disowned after the fact. Okay. Like, I think that was just like, you know, guy's got to pay the bills when he's a mm, young yeah, filmmaker. No he wasn't, wasn't really George Romero yet at that point. Okay, Season of the Witch, 1972. That one I didn't see either. Oh my God, we Not suck, we suck shit here. Well, <laughs> I've seen a lot of them, but yeah, and these ones... Okay, They're like hard to get to. Well, you like, know, I, to get well yeah. I'm sorry, Michelle, because we we were going to focus on the zombie ones anyways, and I'm totally flying off script here. Yeah, ma- yeah. Let's maybe sorry not not do the chronological yet. Although That's after after that, that, it is it is interesting that that after that he kind of returned to form a bit with the crazies yeah. before he did Dawn. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I that was seventy three. That, that was after I've season not years. I've not seen the crazies, but I know that that was another really influential film. Yeah. Like, not zombies, but like in a way, kind of. I mean, almost sort of sowing the seeds of, like, the kind of contagion-esque zombie movies yes. that would happen later, like, 28 mm-hmm. days later, etc. Yeah. yeah, that one was more about, like, a virus. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, the, like, and yeah, like, the rabies kind of And they re- remade this years later, and, and the remake the was remake actually, actually really good, really, too. Oh, okay. Who yeah. did the remake? Uh, I don't know who did it, but, I mean, My- Michael Shannon is mm-hmm. the lead, so he's always good. great. Yeah, it's really Timothy cool. Oliphant was in it. Yeah, yeah, Timothy Oliphant and Michael Shannon. Breck yeah. Eisner actually directed it, the remake. Uh, remind me who that is. Breck Eisner? Yeah. Um, Jesus, he did Sahara, <laughs> The Last Witch Hunter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, yeah. he made at least one solid film, though. Yes. <laughs> well, let's talk about Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, let's talk about Dawn of the Dead. Let's get into okay. this. Dawn of the Dead. Michelle. Michelle loves this movie. Baton is up your butt. Go. <laughs> well, Donna Dead is my all-time favorite zombie movie in general. I've, I honestly think that's a masterpiece of zombie genre. It's uh, and I I know we were kind of like I'm just backtracked just slightly. We were discussing just in messages how oh yeah they the accidentally kind of like stumbled upon the racial aspect of Night of the Living Dead just because of the era it was made and it colored how he made the film like the 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 subtext of it like it wasn't purposely to be about racial relations but it ended up being like that because of the black protagonist yeah in it. yeah and the, and the ending um and like just the entire feel for, but this dawn of the dead is uh from dawn of the dead on he actually was purposely inserting uh social commentary mm-hmm. into his films and and dawn of the dead the theme at least to me personally is consumerism Yes. Is what he's kind of trying to make a statement about. And the reason being that, you know, the the cool thing about the night living, the the zombie movies also is the zombies progress in the films uh, with the the characters. So like in in Night of the Dead, Night Living Dead, they're fresh. And then Dawn of the Dead, they're a little bit more rotted looking and there's way more of them because they're spreading. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we all know kind of the story of Dawn of the Dead where everybody ends up holding up in a mall the iconic mall that part but and they kind of get lulled into this false feeling of security and safety because they're surrounded by the reminders of their normal lives and all the goods and and things they can partake in and they get slow and then the zombies come in and eat everybody basically but I feel like that's like his I feel like it's his most uh, f- complete fulfilling zombie film story yes. wise like tight it's his tightest story I yes. guess everything that is in it really works yeah, like yeah the themes are really strong the characters are all 
really interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the movie. I'm pretty sure that's the one where the line, when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk, the, dead the, will earth. walk the earth. Yeah. That's where yeah. that comes from. Yeah. Uh, and just everything about it is just, it's a little goofy too, which some people don't like. A lot of times I talk to people about dying and dead and they're like, it's silly. It's goofy. They're, especially when you, the ending with the pie thing and like the bikers are fighting the zombies. They don't understand like how Romero likes to use absurdity I guess to kind of because all that absurd shit happens right before like everybody gets fucked up so like there's this really good contrast of you can it's kind of illustrating the fact that the people aren't taking the zombies serious enough as a serious enough threat and then they start fucking them up you know and then they're like oh shit you know like I always like how there's always like one person that's super duper fucked in the end of every Romero zombie movie too. Mm-hmm. Like they always get back to the corner and they have to like kill themselves or like yep. it just sucks real bad for <laughs> one guy real bad, you know, like I don't know. But Yeah, there's I, I the humor that's in that movie definitely it, it works though, and especially with the social commentary and like the mm-hmm. really snarky kind of satire of consumerism yeah. that definitely I like the sense of humor in that movie for sure. And the mall's just the perfect backdrop for it there's so much you can do in the mall there's it's just a cool i don't know set uh, a cool set for well they're like stuck movie. in one place yeah you know and it's not it's super... claustrophobia again though mm-hmm. yeah it's the same yeah. idea yeah yeah well all all four of those main series movies kind of forgetting about diary of the dead yeah. uh <laughs> yeah like all, all four of those are like really claustrophobic in one mm-hmm. way or another yeah, like the, the house the mall the bunker the high rise mm-hmm. it's funny because they get progressively bigger but they're still in a prison it's just the prison gets slightly larger like their cell yeah so because well, they're in a the house then they're in a the mall and then they're in a bunker which is bigger than the mall and then they're like in an entire city where they're trapped basically so there's progressively getting just different prisons yeah and they're all, yeah, they're all very kind of metaphorical in yeah. a sense. Like the sort of like classic Americana, like little small town idyllic home, whatever. And then like, yeah, the, the mall with mm-hmm. the, just the image of the zombies mm-hmm. staggering around, shopping, looking at all the stuff. Incredible movie. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah and that definitely, yeah, interesting, interesting point for sure about the, yeah, the social the social themes and kind of how that evolved. Yeah. I definitely did not know for a while that Night of the Living Dead, he didn't actually write to be about yeah. race because it works that way so well. Yeah. And he's definitely admitted it and or, or embraced it and said mm-hmm. like, oh, well, yeah, it, like it works really well as a story yeah. about race. But yeah, it wasn't like deliberately there. It was just sort of, I guess, so like part of the zeitgeist or whatever. Yeah. That it was sort of channeled into the film mm-hmm. and then i wonder if like i don't know that being pointed out to him and being like oh we made this really socially conscious movie without really knowing it if that's what kind of inspired him to make all the others really mm-hmm. socially well i think maybe movie. it was just a product of the time too because yeah. there was so much you know stuff going on with that cultural yeah. stuff and you know all the race riots mm-hmm. and everything around mm-hmm. the time so sometimes that stuff just comes out you know, you may not be focusing on it, but it might just come out th- in the wash yeah. when you're making something like yeah, and that. that. And that, you know, last image of that movie is just like such a it's like haunting. haunting. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just funny. It's not funny, but like ironic, I guess, because the his race doesn't really come into play for any part of the movie up until like the very end. And it's almost 
because nobody's like, oh, I don't want to stay with you because you're a black guy. Or, I'm, you know, it's just like everybody's like, fuck it, there's zombies outside. I'll, just, I'll be with a black guy. It's cool. You know, and then at the very end, he's like, hey, and there's like, and you're just like, oh, and they're just like, they got meat hooks in them and dragging them, like dehumanizing them. And yeah. Yeah. It's just very, you know, just startling image, I guess. Yeah. And watching it nowadays, especially that it's, you know, the, the white cops that yeah. do it. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, so I don't know if I'm jumping out. Well, no, well, we understand the zombies. No, no. I was trying to figure. Yeah, we should just do all the zombies yeah, in a row, and then okay, yeah, day, yeah. day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Yeah, my I, personal favorite. Day of the Dead's a fun movie, man. Mm. And that one's about fascism. Yes, indeed. That's the ism for that one. And, and this is the one that takes place in the bunker, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. Day of the Dead is Scott's favorite. Well, Interesting. It, it's uh-huh. it, it's my it's the one I'm the most familiar with, and it's the one that really I've seen them all, but that's the one I really identified with. And I mean, I just liked the. I mean, I guess it's so campy now. I mean, you you don't. I guess we've seen this in some films where we try to give a zombie some. Well, I guess what Shaun of the Dead or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Where or, or or I don't know. There's that one other movie. I don't know, but the the guy who's a zombie who falls in love with a chick, whatever the hell that oh, thing was called. That warm hearts shit. or whatever. Warm yeah. bodies. Warm bodies. I, I mean, that movie. oh god, it's so bad. I mean, the thing about the thing about <laughs> zombies for me. I mean, it, it those those ideas didn't appeal to me. Like, okay, a zombie. Let's assume a zombie's a real thing. I don't think it's a chemical process. The brains went haywire. The bodies went haywire. I don't know, right? Yeah. There's a lot of we've had a million different interpretations of what a zombie is in film, um, but I did like the idea in Day of the Dead, where you know let's try to give this one zombie some humanity mm-hmm. and try to get him to do things, right? And what ultimately happens is this zombie becomes our hero. Yes, yeah. Bub. He becomes yeah, Bub. Bub. He becomes our hero, right? And I thought of all these films where we you know we've seen again we've seen all these different interpretations. You know, I'm like stick with stick with what you fucking know. <laughs> you know, I do like you know we see zombies that are faster than others, zombies yeah. that are slower than others. We've talked about the freshness of zombies, mm-hmm. um, but that idea of humanizing to a certain degree, like okay, well this thing maybe he isn't dead, he's just changed. He's different. He's different now, mm-hmm. and he can learn, and he can become something. Except that he still likes to eat people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you got to watch out for that one little <laughs> that one little problem. So that you know was what really pulled me into Day of the Dead was just that idea. I thought it was just a, it was an interesting take. You know, I mean, the carrot it, it's campy. They were yeah. all campy. They're supposed to be. You know, that's just how they mm-hmm. came out. And that's how they're going to be forever now, yeah. right? So you know, and we do see some pretty gratuitous gore in that film. Uh, it, it's pretty off the hook, but really, my my whole the reason I like it the most is just that humanizing element of Bub. Is well, that's what I like about it the most? I think. Well, so. Bub is an interesting concept in that movie because you have uh, the fascist uh, army, rogue army, basically yep. that's running everything in the bunker, and then you have Bub, who used to be a soldier before he died, which you find out later in the film. And so uh, a lot of times you could say that if you when you go through basic training to become a soldier, you get brainwashed or zombified, basically. So you're going through the motions of stuff without actually using your own uh, judgment and decision making ability. Somebody else does it for you. 
And so it's like really, you know, cathartic when Bub is the one that actually confronts the main fascist dude and kills him because that's like his that's his first actual decision he made on his own without the professor guy telling him what to do. Yeah. So basically he's fighting against the man cuz like the the fascist soldier guy represents, you know, the big government, the 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 man keeping you down, like trying to make you do what you don't want to do and Bub's basically like, you know, the guy that's bursting out of his shell trying to like change everything around him. I always thought it was just like cool. And and, and Bubs is like adorable. Like he's got his little gun and then just salutes him. And yeah, that yeah. and that yeah. fucking oh fascist guy dies the best way ever. He's like fucking oh, yeah. gets ripped in half. He's like choke on him and he's like screaming as windpipes like breaking his going Ee! Yeah. I was like fucking I have a shirt that has them all smooshed open. Oh, it man. says choke on him on it. I don't know. <laughs> the zombie gore in that is really good, and the makeup too. Oh, the makeup is amazing. Like it's Day like the dead. Th- I mean, in Don gnarly and Dawn of Dead, they were like kind of like those green face zombies, and then Day of Dead, they look nasty. Yeah, that's one thing that's always weird to me in Dawn of the Dead that like for as iconic as the Tom Savini gore yeah. effects are, the zombies like a lot of them just like look like people with yeah. green paint. But in Day of the Dead, they look really good. Yeah. I have like uh, I ordered this uh, Donna or Day of the Dead set from a website, and I have a jar that has, uh, you know, like the underground bunker part where they kept the zombies in that little caged area. Well, yeah. apparently yeah. it's some of the rocks from that set in a little jar. Huh. I don't know what I would do with that ever, but I have a jar of rocks from that movie. Okay. <laughs> And another thing that always stands out to me in Day of the Dead is, like, the weird kind of, like, surreal, dreamy stuff mm-hmm. where, like, yeah. the, one, the one character has the dream where all the arms come through yeah, the wall. That it's, like, cool that shit. image out of, like, repulsion mm-hmm. and the old French Beauty and the Beast with, like, the arms coming through the wall yeah. and just borrowing that image. Like, that scene is just so... She's a cool female so character, creepy. too. She's yeah. strong, like, very... Uh, and her boyfriend is, like, sucks. Like, the guy she's dating, he's just, like, a fucking whiny bitch, and he's all, I'm so scared and sad, and she's like, shut up, you know, and she's, like, doing all the awesome shit. I don't know why I always, like, found that cool. Like, I was always like, yeah, he sucks, she's awesome, and she's, like, taking charge. She's not, like, you know, I would say in a lot of Romero films, the the female characters usually, except for the very first one, the 9-11 dead, she's the, was Barbara, yeah. it's a little bit, you know, hysterical. Which, yeah. you know, that's that's probably, like, a pretty natural reaction, I would assume, though, to people getting up that were dead. But in the later movies, all the female characters seem like they were strong, you know, take charge kind of people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I always thought that was cool. Yeah, he definitely kind of defied some right. casting conventions of the, of the day yeah. and stuff like that. Land of the Dead. So Land of the Dead is about classism. Yeah. So you got all the hoity-toity rich peoples can afford to live in the high-rise area where there aren't zombies and all the poor people have to live outside in the outskirts where they're scrambling for food and they've made their own little mini-society. And this is where the, the... the seed that he planted in Day of the Dead with the zombie uh, becoming self-aware is taken one step further where uh, the zombies are actually an oppressed uh, uh, society. Like the zombies are actually a lower class citizen than even the humans that are being oppressed by the rich people. So now there's like a three Three layers. Yeah, Yeah, three three tiers tiers of it. So it's, and it's interesting because it's a really weird, 
way to go with it because he's trying to make you sympathize with the villain kind of but they're still zombies so like they want to eat you but they're just kind of trying to do their own thing i don't know i i, I wasn't I wasn't really enamored with the smart zombie angle, to be honest. Uh, I feel like, it, I don't know. It's it's just hard to emphasize with them because they eat you, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of smart. I always thought it was fucking cool as shit when they walk out of the water, though. That's yeah. That's one of the coolest zombie images ever when they're all fucking coming out of the, the lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the damn uh, Dead Reckoning? Is that in that? Or is that in the remake? What's the name of their the the thing they drive around that shoots the fireworks out and shit oh shit i i don't remember it's been a long time since i've seen land of the dead but i thought i think land of the dead gets like shit on a little too much it's i think it's all right it's still it's still a good zombie movie um dennis hopper's fucking cool in it yeah dennis hopper's great he's cool in everything but yeah, I I think Land of the Dead is probably about as good as Day, or mm-hmm. just slightly below it. I think a lot of people just like knee jerk hated on it because it yeah. was like a twenty years later yeah. remake, and people love to hate on that shit. Yeah, and also a lot of people like something that always strikes me as odd is that the biggest complaint or the most common complaint I always hear is that oh the smart zombie thing is stupid there's no smart zombies like well what about what about bub yeah you, you let bub yeah. slide because well, like, you know i think yeah. the smart zombies really take i mean yeah it, it, it's something to be talked about but bub was not smart well he was learning he was learning yeah. things maybe if if that movie would have progressed you know, let's say within a period of like five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and then it may have been a different idea. Yeah, well, and so I think that's why, like, having the leader zombie in Land of the Dead yeah. being a bit more smart, a bit more cunning, like, still kind of, you know, not all that bright because he's dead. But that's like, <laughs> you know, like building off of the idea of Bub, but like he's had another 20 years to yeah, develop. learn that stuff. Right? Develop, I mean, yeah. You know, but the thing about Day of the Dead is that he, that Bub was in a lab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he was in a lab. Yeah. Right. So he was being coddled. Mm-hmm. He was being nurtured. Yeah. Right. He was being domesticated, so to say. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's why I was saying, like, if that movie was to like take a whole different direction and, and like five years down the road, well, here's Bub, you know, and the guy's sitting there, you know, with Grey Poupon and a piece of toast and <laughs> smoking a, a cigarette, one of, the, one of them cigarette holder things. Drinking you know, a craft and, beer you know, and eating like avocado pink, toast. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> You know, with like Bob brains, is the fucking hipster. With like brains Bob on is just top, fucking killing Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Applebee's. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that Apple that, brains. that may be a smart zombie. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think smart zombies. It's pushing it too far. I mean, these are more developed zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they're still, they're not, you know, it's it's not Return of the Living Dead. They're not talking. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I always thought that was sort of a silly complaint. When yeah. I kind of felt like it was, like, a logical progression of the ideas of the previous one. Well, I mean, Romero, like, and kind of invented that kind of zombie, so it's basically whatever, I guess, he wants to do with them. But it just seems like, to me, what makes zombies scary is that they look like people, but they don't act like people. They look like people that well, you love. That's like your dad could turn into a zombie and he looks like your dad and you want to relate to him in that way, but he just wants to kill you. Like, well, we've, yeah. we've seen this yeah. over and over and over again in horror films, whether, you know, it could be a vampire, it could be a werewolf, mm-hmm. right? It could be a zombie. 
And there's always going to be one of them scenes you see yeah. where the daughter or, you know, especially the parent mm-hmm. had their kids transformed into whatever. And they're not, that's their kid. Yeah. You see that, that's your child. I can't do anything to hurt this child. This is my child. But at the same time, that child's getting ready to rip your head off. Well, that happened in the night, the first Night Living Dead movie, which was yeah. actually really, really controversial. Probably the most controversial thing about it. Oh, yeah. People had an issue with was the daughter killing her mother. Yeah. Even though it's shown off camera, it's like not, you know, yeah. gratuitous necessarily. But it's the idea. Yeah, that's the idea really that. really you know, creepy and yeah. unnerving. Yeah. And, and that's, it's it's a very common idea now. Yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. common plot element to use. To build drama. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, and we've seen it in freaking The Walking Dead a, a handful mm-hmm. of times now. Well, they do it in the, the pilot episode where the guy, you know, he's looking, his yeah. wife keeps coming back to the door. His wife keeps coming by and he keeps aiming the gun yeah. at her. Yeah. Yep. He, yeah. You, they actually get the shot in the rifle scope where mm-hmm. you see he sees his wife. So that's a very, I don't want to say it's an easy way to, you know, create drama or yeah. a plot element, but it's compelling. Mm-hmm. Right? And, well, and they do that in sort of a grand scale in Dawn of the Dead at the beginning with like the... Like the apartment building where yeah. like they've just been locking up all their dead family members because they can't bring themselves to yep. shoot yeah. them or burn the bodies or chop them up, and that's and Ken Forey's character says like, oh well, yeah, like I guess death, you know, still has like some meaning or some sacredness to mm-hmm. these people, but that ends up being what kills you know them. what that's kills what, them all because yeah. yeah, they were like respecting their dead relatives. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Land of the Dead. Um, Diary. Diary of, of the, the dead. dead is about narcissism. Because you got... Uh, now, this is where... And then this is not like a knock against Romero because I think this happens to everybody. But I think he started getting to the age where he started getting out of touch a little bit mm-hmm. because Diary is uh, trying to be like about social media and... Uh, she, it, but it's really it's just kind of cringy and just slightly like your grandpa trying to talk talk to you about something but he kind of <laughs> knows the gist yeah. of it but not the whole thing <laughs> and it's nothing wrong with Romero cuz Romero's a great was a great director and but I think he just tried to tackle something that was a little bit out of his uh, depth it was out of his element yeah. out of his element a yeah. little I I like the idea of it though because you know like the kind of like found footage thing because I normally don't like found footage movies because they just just their nature that the way the film has to be constructed I find c- to be contrived like why are you holding the camera just put the camera down like I'm thinking that all the time I, I just can't turn that off when mm-hmm. I watch them <laughs> well and, I would have lost a camera like five minutes in the Cloverfield yeah every I'd movie like, Fuck I'm just this, like I'm out. yeah you know I, I can't get over that yeah. to be honest and it's just a personal thing with me nothing against no I those agree movies. with you it's very difficult to try to like yeah get yeah. invested into a film a found footage film knowing well here's the and they all have the setup mm-hmm. well you know this is the reason i have to hold the camera all the time yeah you know i'm yeah. documenting and it's usually well i'm <laughs> documenting this and i have to document everything right yeah but, dude you, you got a friggin' beast in front of you that's getting ready <laughs> to eat the whole freaking city dude i the last thing i'm gonna be yeah it'd be cool to have a video i guess fuck but- that i'm holding the camera the whole time <laughs> Why? Yeah, the, because the cameraman character should always be just an insufferable ass in all yeah. these movies. Well, they always are. At least in yeah. Cloverfield, they're like self-aware enough to name him HUD. You know, like yeah. <laughs> so. You know, you're like, oh, that's the camera guy. Like, but it, it's just like not 
done very well, I don't think, in Diary of the Dead. It's yeah. just the actors aren't good, and it's just, eh. It's just not a good movie to me. Well, and there yeah. wasn't much of a budget behind this movie no. at all, either. Yeah, so. and I, I almost feel like that one, like, people sort of treat that like a spinoff or something mm-hmm. and talk like, you know, just night. Like night, dawn, day, and land is like the real proper series. And that's, then I honestly this only other cons- one over Yeah, there. that's how I do it. I'm like those four movies, and then the other ones are yeah. just other movies. But. Yeah, and those those four <laughs> definitely add up to like a really a very thorough portrait of yeah. the stuff that's yeah. fucked up with our society. Mm-hmm. And goddamn, they are all very very relevant. Today. What about Survival of the Dead? <laughs> I actually have not seen Survival of the Dead because I heard it was just absolutely abysmal and I didn't watch it. Yeah, I forgot that that exists. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck huh. you, Romero. What the fuck is wrong with you guys? <laughs> well, let's talk about... Okay, fine. So that's the zombie stuff. Yes. Zombie portion done. Oh, we should also... Go ahead. I would just like to take this opportunity to remind people that there's fucking fast zombies in Dawn of the Dead. Those kids run. Those kid zombies run at the at yeah. the helipad, so don't be giving don't be giving young. us any of that. Like they were oh, young there's and fresh. no, but they yeah they, they re- exactly they're fresh. But, fresh zombies can run because their muscles aren't atrophied yet. Okay. So I I don't want to hear any of that. Like oh, there's no such thing as fast zombies because Romero didn't do fast mm-hmm. zombies. Like yes, he did. You just don't or Twenty Eight Days Later was the first fast zombie movie. Yeah, like no, they were fast in Return of the Living Dead. They were running. Yeah, well, yeah, they also, like, you know, well, they also get, were get very on the acrobatic radio. Too. Yeah. They were very acrobatic. Send, send, send Good more dancers. cops. Send <laughs> more cops. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, Dawn of the Dead totally has some, some fast zombies. Let's get to the party, man, right. for me at least. Creep show. Yeah. Creep I just watched show. that today. Wait, we Again. did not mention Night Riders. Oh. I I have oh, Night okay. Riders and I've seen Night Riders. Okay, well, let's tell talk us about, about Night Riders. Chris. Night Riders is basically about um this troop of they're they're basically carnies is what they are. They travel around the country um doing a Camelot show where they like fight against each other mm-hmm. and whatnot, but they're on motorcycles. There's no horses. They're basically doing a Camelot show on motorcycles in like Ed Harris stars in this movie (laughs) and it was in uh, 1981 so almost 40 years ago and Ed Harris looks exactly the same in 1981 Ed Harris has never aged it's not a good movie at all I bought it on an Arrow Blu-ray and I wish I would not have wasted that money because it is a god awful horrendous film (laughs) that's about two and a half hours long that really should have been like a 30-minute short film where everybody dies. It's bad. So I just wanted to touch on that. So in between awesome zombie movies, we got Camelot on motorcycles. Mm -hmm. There's some hot chicks in it, though. But that was the only worthwhile part. So moving on. (laughs) So how about that Creep Show, huh? That was a A little film called Creep Show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, that's my favorite thing, Romero. I think I. that's me. That was my favorite thing Romero did. Now he wrote part. He wrote Creep Show. He did the writing on Creep Show too. He wrote no, the Stephen King wrote it. Screw up, uh, screenplay. I, I just they, watched it today, and it said the, Stephen the, King the, wrote it's it. It's Stephen the first King. One, yeah. 
Wait, the first on. one is Stephen King. You said, you said two? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I said Re- Creep Show 2. That's what I was yeah, saying. Yeah, Romero oh, wrote and produced Creep Show Yeah, two yeah, he wrote the script. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, yeah no, you misunderstood Stephen King me. wrote the first one. Yeah, of course. Um, oh, yeah, you you thought he said, like, Creep Show also. No, no, Creep Show. Oh. Yeah. So let's talk about Creep Show. Now, earlier I mentioned this thing about <laughs> color. Yes. Quiet, yeah. Chris. Quiet over there. Suck a dick. God, man. Now, this is where... Now, Creep Show, obviously, we've all seen it. It runs like a comic book, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And that's the reason I think it looked as a film the way it did. That movie, it, I, mean, I know that's why it looked the way it did. Oh yeah, the way that the light, like light, was used in the film, especially the the what was it, the Beast in the Box or whatever that one was called, yeah. the crate, uh, the crate. Thank oh, you. Oh god, it's so good. Mm-hmm. The lighting in that is fucking incredible, and. The colors through the entire yeah. film, it's so bright. The contrast is really high. And that's obviously because he wanted to make it look like a comic book, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Um, Even to the point where he uses paneling yeah. some, at some points uh, yeah. to and, and for transition mm-hmm. between scenes, he'll put a panel up and then shift it. Yeah. Now, um, there are so many disturbing images in this movie as far as, you know, fun horror but it, it really gets under your skin. Yeah. You know, the, the opening sequence for the, you know, the, the cake. I think it was called the cake or Father's Day. Father's, Father's, Father's Day, Day, yeah. The opening sequence, and I forgot who that lady was who, you know, the, played the daughter. But that opening sequence actually is quite a tearjerker. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really set it up. <laughs> it was fucking done brilliantly. Because she sits there and does this entire speech to her father who's in the ground, right? Yeah. You know, about you know you know you called me a bitch and she was really mm-hmm. pissed she was traumatized by this man he was an evil he was a horrible man right mm-hmm. you know and she says her piece and you're thinking okay cool man well she told that guy where it was yeah. you know and it, she's finally getting some peace of mind in her old age you know and of all the shit she had to put up with as a child and no <laughs> fucking hand comes out of the ground <laughs> and she gets basically now that one that kill was. Um, I think he just kind of ate her, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Then he just kind of crawl up in there and start eating her neck or some shit. Um, well, speaking of Ed Harris, oh yeah, he's in. He speaking just, of Ed Harris, oh shit, yeah. Speaking of Ed Harris, well, Ed Harris is in a he, lot of Stephen King stuff. He's doing the dance. Yeah. He does that really. Bad. Yeah, he does that goofy ass dancing. <laughs> his face, he's all like, <laughs> dude, I was laughing so hard at that earlier today. Oh my god, yeah, he's uh, just he because like the phone rings, yeah, and he like dances to the phone, which I thought was fucking oh. great. <laughs> awesome i mean he and he goes bad like mm-hmm. he went that was hard to watch mm-hmm. like you know and, and the way that was set up you know he he, he falls or i forgot how, he fell oh he he just tripped and fell i thought he falls into the grave thing and then the the stone lands on top yeah of he falls in there and he's like oh shit i fell in the grave yeah and then the, he sees the thing kind of move a little mm-hmm. bit he's like oh and that's when he freezes, like, oh shit, you know. But I love the sound because when the fi- when that stone finally falls, you hear, ah! yeah, just Done. cuts him off, right? I mean, and it's it, we could probably go all damn night on Creep Show. I think oh yeah, we, that, Creep that's Show. That's one of those amazing. ones that really stuck with everybody, um, you know. But this, the, yeah, the Father's Day thing was insane. You know, the ending was completely ridiculous. That scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Um, and I, and my sequence is off on this. What was the second? Uh, the Lonesome it? Death of Jordy Verrill, which oh, is that, the that's one. one of the that's Stephen King. That's I Stephen love King. That. Meteor shit. The, the yeah. Stephen King cameo to end yeah. all Stephen he King. He is cameo. so adorable in that 
part you know what i'm not gonna lie i always get a little misty-eyed at the end same of that here because oh, that, that, the start, speech at the end yeah it starts out real goofy and you feel bad for the guy because he just he's just dumb he's just a dumb it's not even that he's dumb he's just ignorant he's just living by himself and like he just wants to do good by himself, you <laughs> he's know. He's kind of a backroads dimwit. Yeah, he's, he's a little <laughs> bit like I mean, lawnmower man. Yeah, a little lawnmower man esque. But <laughs> meteor shit. Uh, well, he it's literally turns line. into grass, so you know. Oh, but shit. but like he, it's like really like touching at the end where he's just like, please, you know, I please, I, please, I, God forgive me. Yeah, because he know? was killed. I'm like, well, Aw. I mean, the whole thing was like he just was itching, and he just you know he knew, and, and that was such a great shot. The bathtub, his face. The bathtub, mm-hmm. his face. The bathtub, his face. And then he just does like that dive, like mm-hmm. ah, into the bathtub, and it's like oh. And that oh, was the Jordy, end of him. you done it now. Yeah, that was the end of it, man. <laughs> then that cut to the last scene, and there he is with the shotgun. Mm-hmm. You know? It's so sad. And yeah, that and that what really got me is you know if you think about okay, you're being basically turned into a tree mm-hmm. <laughs> or a bush or something, right? It's not only gonna be on your skin. It's probably going out his eyes. Out of it's this. inside oh, yeah. you. Yeah, and that's what really made me think. You know. Even when I was younger, I'm like, what? you know, but I think about it now. And it's like he that voice mm-hmm. It's like he was growing from the inside. Yeah, too. Because oh, yeah. so, he, he, t- he touched his uh, lips. Yeah. Yeah. He, lick, the he burns his finger. Because that's when he opened his mouth. He's like, ah, yeah. and he freaked out. So he's got it growing in his throat. Mm-hmm. Uh, when right? he blows his head off, like when the top of it comes off, it's all like just green goo in there. Yeah, like he's yeah. just a plant person. He's turned into a plant. Yeah. And there's that nice little, uh, you know, Stephen King. Uh, Easter egg. It's uh, five miles to Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's like the grass is growing towards that way. Like all of his stuff takes place over there. Yeah. Yep. So really. It's still in the little Stephen King universe. Yeah. Yep. It's sad. Yep. It's just super sad. Well, um, they kind of remind the. I mean, the aesthetic of the movie is EC Comics, and they always had bad endings. EC oh, yeah. Comics never like every little story always had a shit ending. Like somebody always died. It was always yeah. like mm-hmm. bad for everybody. So that's why I re- I kind of like that they kept that idea from it. Like yeah. every yes. story ends in a bad way. Like Father's Day, you know, ends with the guy getting his cake, and that guy was a dick. He didn't deserve any I of that. Got he, my cake. You know, yeah. and that ends with Jordy killing himself, and the one after that. Is that was was that the the short? something to tide you over. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah where yeah. Leslie Nielsen gets yeah. to be a creepy Ted motherfucker. Ted Danson. Is that yeah. yeah, Ted Danson. Okay. This was one of Ted Danson's first roles, actually. Yeah, you know, and this is I think this is my favorite one. This one has always stuck with me mm-hmm. since I saw. I was like eight years old. Between when this, this came and the out. crate, cool. between this one and the crate, we'll yeah. get to the crate. That one, yeah. The end, we, the ending. Yeah, I mean, again, with all of them, it's about Tough the to ending. Tough fucking watch, man. You know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, the way that he dies at mm-hmm. the end. I, I can mean, hold my breath for a long time. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah. <laughs> just, but, but what they became. Oh, yeah, that makeup was great, too. And you know, here's God a, damn, that's you good know, every, and That's the thing, too. Like, you know. There's a theme here with all these, I think, and you know, I want to think deep about this on the crate also. But these all have an element in them where you're—it's super tear jerking. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked—I talked about the, you know, the speech in the beginning of Father's Day, or and then and or, and then, um, you know, the ending. You know, we talked about with with Jordy, yeah. Uh, and now we're talking about something to tide you over. And there is a scene where he videotapes his, you know, his wife mm-hmm. or his girlfriend, I think. Yeah. 
you know, where he's like, you know, here, watch this, you know, and you see her just crying, I want to go home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she's yeah. getting hit by water. And you're like, fuck, man. And, and when you were like, when I saw that when I was a kid, it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. This was yeah. pretty watch, brutal. Man. Oh, yeah. And it was tear jerking. Oh, yeah. It was really tear jerking because this person's helpless. They can't mm -hmm. do anything. And he's right? making them watch each other die, which is even worse yeah like, it's terrible and also he he filmed it in such a way that the tide had already come in on her side and not his side so he got to see what was going to happen to him yeah yeah he's yeah. like oh shit that's going to be me and then it starts coming up and you're like Ugh. that on that shot where the tide finally comes up over to danson's head and he's just sitting there trying to hold his breath oh my god and he let it linger until like he basically drowns i'm like dang uh -huh. Yeah. And yeah. then a cool red light comes from behind him. That's such a comic book like yeah. coloring. Well, it's shot. a color. Yeah, it's a color. Yeah. Comic book aesthetic in that movie is it's insane. Really amazing. It's probably the most comic book looking movie I've seen that actually embraces the comic book style yeah. down to the coloring, the yes. way the shots are constructed, the paneling, yeah. the way it like at the it freeze frames on the end of every story and yeah. it comes out into comes and it looks like a drawing. Yeah. 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 The ending of that when he does you know he's chilling out yeah i won yeah and that you know those voices again oh, yeah. it's like a lot like uh, you know you can't shoot us dead richard yeah well <laughs> and it's all dead. like it's well, all like bubbly it was bubbly it was yeah. like it was water they had mm -hmm. water in their lungs so mm -hmm. all you were hearing was water in the esophagus like that's what i was i can remember oh, in my brain yeah. and that really fucking scared the shit out of me that was tough to watch and and it was it was a jump scare too yeah it was a total jump scare because you're thinking, well, what, what's the big deal? The people are dead. They drown. What the hell is going to happen? And they, there they are dripping water, walking mm -hmm. up on his ass, you know? Uh, yeah, we know the ending, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's tough to, you know, Leslie Nielsen, you know, I just see the guy and I laugh. <laughs> and he's yeah, got it's, dick in that thing. Yeah, yeah he's a really, really sinister. Yeah, like right. that he got that opportunity to mm -hmm. take that kind of role. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's. Well, yeah. Leslie Nielsen did a lot of dramatic acting before yeah. he started before. doing the slapstick stuff. In like the sixties and seventies, he did tons of like yeah. dramatic yeah. acting. It wasn't really until like airplane yeah. and Striker. like yeah. the, all the naked myself. gun stuff yeah. started yeah. to hit that he really, you know, got into the constant stream of that comedy stuff. The crate. Mm -hmm. Oh dude, that was yeah. A, yeah. Fuck man. The crate's great because some of the greatest looking blood I've ever seen. It's like uh the it's great because this movie was what 1981, 1982, 82, 1982. So this is like mean ass coked up Stephen King. This is yeah. good like high quality Stephen King when he was like yeah. mean and not like mean like as a person, but like he wrote mean he shit. He wrote mean, yeah. Like yeah. It, like. That the crate's just fucking mean movie. It's a, a mean little segment. There's it, no. I mean, it's so funny because that lady's just like a fucking harpy bitch to that guy, and name? he's always uh, like Adrian Barbo. And they, what they call her? Billy. Billy. And they uh, that guy just keeps fantasizing about just like straight murdering her like yeah. horribly too. Like, and he just takes her that crate, and she's just like nagging him to the very end, and he's just like, yeah, fuck you, bitch. And then I, he I love Adriana Barbo, and I love the role she played in that. Cause she, you know. In her mind, she was like the greatest thing since mm -hmm. sliced bread, but she was just this obnoxious drunkard. Yeah. That, you know, yeah, he couldn't stand to be mm -hmm. around anymore. He hated her, but she was still hot. Yeah. God damn, she was hot. Um, but she yeah. She had some big old movies. She, oh, man. <laughs> was Thanks. she in Thanks, Escape Chris. from New York? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She had yeah, big yeah. doobs in that, too. Yeah, like you want to suckle. <laughs> yeah. Dude, her, her, her doobs had a co starring role yeah. in the film. Yeah. <laughs> They had their own agent. Because yes. I was like, back in those days, really familiar. Cannibal like, oh. Run, fucking mm -hmm. hey, holy shit, a skin tight suit. <laughs> oh, it's all over with. <laughs> um, so yeah, like, 
the crate that's the thing that sticks out for me and again with the really the, great creatures well the creature yeah, too, yeah holy the, crap. but the blood to me the blood in that thing because there was blood everywhere mm-hmm. it was a complete mm-hmm. fucking mess you know and there is that whole sequence i mean where he does throw her in there throws billy in there and there is blood all over the fucking place and he's got to clean all that shit up mm-hmm. and that, that movie's really about i mean that that piece of the film you know it's a lot about well yeah he wanted to get rid of her and he found a way to get rid of her right um but it just there's a whole sequence there of him cleaning up, mm-hmm. and it's like I'm you know I, I remember watching that when I initially and I'm like he's got these mops out and he's trying to get all this I'm like you're never gonna get all that shit cleaned up I mean you know he's I watched Forensic Files like an idiot like <laughs> dude, it's over with man there's just no way you're getting away with this shit but back then you could I guess uh, and he cleaned it all up and he throws the crate off the off the cliff yeah and we get to see it. And it makes you, and he even talks, there's like a little part where he talks about how the monster kind of figured out what he was doing, and the monster tries to come out and he just pulls his hand back. Oh, God, that scared the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, that that monster really was, you know, we, let's talk about the monster because it's cool. Yeah, that's from the era of all practical effects. Cool creature. Yeah. Yeah. Everything was still practical, no CGI. Yeah. It looks real. Like, yeah. You just can't beat it. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. No, you can't. Yeah, and just the kills, like the claws, and you know how they made that look. And I, I guess keep going back to the blood in that thing. That 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 and the color the of Creep Show, the color yeah. in Creep Show really, really came out in the crate. Yeah, I definitely that one more than most of the others. Remember, like the really bright colored lighting. Yeah, really looks like purples comic panel. Yeah, purples and greens. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Well, yeah, real dramatic looking. Yeah, really dramatic looking. Um, God, my brain stopped. Okay, was, so the last one. Up on the last you. one is oh, the last one is the fucking cockroach. That's one. the creeping. Oh up God, I know I forget that that one. Ooh, creeps the sh- okay, I'm glad we're all on the same page. Oh I, man. Oh God. It's oh. called they're creeping up on they're you. They're creeping up on you. Yeah. yeah. And it has E. G. Marshall. Starring as Upton Pratt. Thank you. Yeah, Clark Griswold's asshole father-in-law. That that gave me nightmares. Seriously, as a kid, I swear to God that. First off, I'm just scared of bugs anyway. Like just when they're not horrible cockroach phobia. Those things bugs are scary. You, Michelle, shit out of me. But that, (laughs) oh my God, the part, the scariest scene probably of anything ever to me is Uh when they. They cut to the very end where, like, after the blackout, the lights come back on and there's no cockroaches anywhere and the guy's just lying on the bed and they all start fucking coming out of his mouth. Oh, I was fucked. Yep. It was so And, gross, like, when dude. they just, like, envelop him. Yeah. To, oh, God. Well, there's just... Yeah, the, like, that's... I, if, the obsession. If I watched it, I'd, I'd be very tempted to just turn it off before that one. The <laughs> obsession's what really stuck it to me in that one. Yeah. He had... The guy had crippling OCD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I had a real issue with that. He obviously had a lot of money, so he was able to, you know, build himself into a fortress, more or less what the idea was that it was just airtight. Nothing could get in there. Yeah. But no. <laughs> yeah. Cockroaches. And yeah. there's, there's one cut, you know, where he, he kills a cockroach and he's like, you know, I've been killing cockroaches all my life. You, well, know, the, the you, know, funny, you, you kill them or whatever. And I'm like, what? what that the? whole entire thing. Okay, so I had like an epiphany when I was watching this today. So the entire thing is like a metaphor for... Okay, so during the 
that scene, that segment, he says some like casually racist stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so I feel like it, the roaches kind of represent how he views humanity. Like yeah. basically yes. everybody's beneath him and they're like bugs underneath his feet. And finally that catches up to him at the end when, uh, the lights go out and finally he's at the mercy of like, I almost feel like the roaches were like kind of almost summoned by like the spirits of everybody he had, he'd ever like. Well, and you, get, yeah, you get that because in the background he's getting voicemails mm-hmm. or messages at the time. Um, of people, Did you know, you say voicemails in 1980. Well, I, well, messages, phone what? messages from a phone machine. Uh-huh. What like, they call them? Answer machine. Answering, answering machine yeah. messages. Yeah. <laughs> Little tapes. Yeah, answering machine messages. That old thing. <laughs> and, but and you hear that in the background of you know it, I think mm-hmm. it was a partner of his or somebody he did business with where he basically took him to the cleaners yeah, yeah. and the guy committed suicide mm-hmm. as a result of that as his, his wife and yeah. she's like I will someday I will and you that, that's the soundtrack mm-hmm. of him dying basically yeah you know yeah. so it is it does tie in with you know and you're right that epiphany was totally accurate like yeah. a, it's like yeah, retribution I guess yeah, for yeah well, that, that's, everything he's ever done that's kind of a theme in all of those like yeah we talked about kind of the like tearjerk side of it but there's also in all of those just like in the ec comics stuff yeah like this theme of like really shitty people getting what they deserve yeah and that happens in just about every one of those whether mm-hmm. it's yeah. you know like certainly like leslie nielsen uh i mean not not the stephen king one but like yeah, and most most of those yeah there is like just some bastard yeah, well, who yeah. gets there come up in some yeah. really like Sort of like poetic justice kind yeah. of way. Creep Show is a masterpiece. It, it is. It's a masterpiece. Just everything about it. The music's really good too. Yeah. It well, is. Even even the interludes with the, you know because yeah, you kid. know I, I hope you burn it out. Yeah. I mean that's like some heavy shit. You know. Oh yeah. You know. And I just thought about this like <laughs> it cracks me up. I was thinking about this. I was in the yard. And we were seeing about Creep Show and Romero, and mm-hmm. there's the opening scene where the kids like you know just garbage these comic books. He's like, well, you got your porno magazine, yeah. And he's you know I'm like, woo, and he gives him one upside the mm-hmm. head for that comment. And I'm like, and I, for some reason I, I always picture that guy like sitting in his like study with a porno magazine yeah. with a pipe in his mouth, like mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. And, t- yeah. and Tom Atkins plays that like sleazy yeah. shitty dad. dad so well. That's why God made fathers, baby. That's why oh. God made fathers. Yeah, so you know, shit like so that. shitty. Yeah, it's such a and because yeah, like a, he's yeah. like you know he normally plays like really like funny tongue-in-cheek yeah. characters yeah. but then in that one he's just creepy yeah. yeah i can't i don't think we can really say enough good things about creep show oh, creep show is easily movie. easily the best or most consistently good anthology film well, it's it, like it, a it dream so team of people oh, yeah. Yeah. tom savini doing effects so you got up. stephen king writing a story and george yeah. romero directing Ram- yeah, and like yeah. most of those anthologies have at least one segment that is bad. Yeah, it's a creep show. It's, it's a duff track. You know, you don't like it, and it, you know the whole thing just rips the whole way yeah. through. It's incredible. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Did we, Chris? I don't know what we're doing with time here. Did we want to even mention Creep Show too? Because that had some memorable moments in it. I think it yeah. wasn't nearly as good as the original Creep Show. Yeah, creep Show Two is fine. It's it's got some fun. You know, the, the tar, neat. the lake. Is called the, the, raft. The, the raft. The raft. Yeah. Oh my god, that fucked me up for a while too. <laughs> when he, oh boy, he yanks him through that thing, and his leg just kind of. <laughs> oh, so god. Romero wrote all of Creepshow too, but just yeah. didn't direct he wrote the it. Screenplay yeah. for. Oh, okay. Did, uh, didn't more than one person direct different segments in Creepshow? No, or was it so the same person? Same person. It was the guy who was the director of photography on Creepshow. Oh, okay. And I think that's 
ultimately what I think is Creepshow 2's undoing mm-hmm. is that he just, he doesn't have the flair for directing. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like Romero's personality is so strong in the mm-hmm. first one. It makes it so good. And yeah. Creepshow 2, like, I don't know. The directing is just kind of there. Like, all the stories are good, but... It's I'm, actually, trying, it's I'm trying to remember. While. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's been so a while for me. There's only... So there's the animated wraparound segment with yeah. the Venus flytraps. And yeah. I, I I like that the wraparound is animated. Yeah. That's really cool. That's cool, yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's... So there's... The Indian. The yeah, Indian. Sheep oh, Wooden Head. Sheep Wooden Head is really cool. All right, well, here yeah, we go again. Here we go again. This theme kind of cuts through, though. Yeah, Chief Wooden Head. You got these sweet couple. Yeah, I... These that, sweet old that people. That is so sad. because fucking suck to watch. Like that. you really feel for them, and there's such. <laughs> They're good... not. And he's like, "Come on, yeah. you know." The guy, the old man's like, "Come on, you don't need to do this." Yeah. You know, he's pleading with him, and the guy, yeah, you know, this hair in between girls' legs. Oh, fuck him. You know that that guy was a jack off. That uh, and yeah, that it was these sweet people, and it broke your heart to see that happen to them. You know, and yeah, oh boy, that goes bad for them. Yeah, yeah Michael <laughs> Michael Gornick was the director, but yeah. he also did. He was a cinematographer on Dawn of the Dead. He oh, was sure. also a cinematographer on Day of the Dead. And um, Stephen King's Golden Years. And he was also a cinematographer on Tales from the Dark Side, The Langoliers, The Stand. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this guy was actually really. Stephen King and George Romero created. He also worked in Martin. He starred in Martin. Okay. And he was also a star in Knight Riders, also. So, this guy had a very long history. With George Romero. So there was the Indian, there was the raft. And uh, the the middle one is the, the hitchhiker. Oh, thanks for oh, the ride, the ride lady. lady. Holy shit, how can I forget this great yeah. stuff? See, man? so th- that's the thing about Creepshow, too, is everyone's like, oh, it's not that good, but then you talk about Dude, each individual segment, and then everyone's like, oh, they're all... Thanks for the ride, lady. That, and that's hard to watch, too. That guy's just getting more and more fucked up as yeah. the whole thing goes on, dude. It just don't end. <laughs> Stop it, will you? Thanks for the ride. And at the end, like, I mean, just there's yeah. his jaws hanging off and shit. Yeah, th- th- yeah, there was only those three, wasn't there? Yeah, those three, but then the wraparound is animated, and it's like a Saturday morning cartoon, but all yeah. dark and violent. And, like, that one's... I like the wraparound. I mean, yeah, it was too, fun. It was fun, man. It's a fine anthology film. It's yeah. better than, like, it's... Probably better than the Tales from the Dark Side movie. It's better than a lot I of like those. I like Tales from the Dark Side. Did you ever it's, see it's, it's Creepshow Three? Creepshow you know, Three. I was. I oh, God, made what a, a awful mess that was. I made a post about, about it. Like, <laughs> oh, I was thinking one movie. One more movie we could talk about is Monkey yeah. Shines. Yeah. Which is like super underrated, I think. And I remember it. For, like, um, it was one of those movies that we had where like my mom was cheap. Sorry, mom. But she would like wait for your like, mom is cheap. <laughs> oh god! Well, mom, don't listen to this, mom. Uh, <laughs> but she would like wait for HBO to be like free for a month, and then get those like EP, those LP tapes, and then like put like five movies on one yeah, tape. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. Monkey Shines. Good was, girl. Like, I used to do the same thing. Yeah. And you like everybody did that. And you label the front. Shit, but you know whatever. Yeah, but so like one of the movies was Monkey Shines was like on the little <laughs> anthology homemade anthologies. So nice. I've seen it a shit ton of times. Awesome. But it's like a I think it's like a pretty damn good movie. I mean it's. Uh, you know about the guy that's paralyzed. Um, he has a little monkey helper and a straw. Like he moves this little thing with that little mouth straw shit. And the little monkey helper's super cute, but then it's all gets jealous of him because it's a female monkey and yep. gets and like it starts terrorizing him. And that's like a truly scary situation. Like you mm-hmm. think a monkey wouldn't be scary, but it is. Like fucked up because he can't do anything on his own, and the monkey's kind of fucking with him. <laughs> that scene when the monkey molests the paraplegic man just fucks me up every time. <laughs> 
it doesn't happen, but yeah, I can okay. That's the monkey shines, yeah. too. <laughs> Electric, Electric boogaloo. boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> but All I right. always forget yeah. that he directed that movie for some reason. It doesn't seem, it doesn't really necessarily feel like a George Romero movie, I guess. Like, yeah. it's a yeah. little, it's one of his more, it's probably his sleekest movie. Like, really, like, it's like. Mm. you know a little more commercial i guess yeah that and the dark half are kind of like the yeah. two like really hollywood mm-hmm. george romero movies well um chris you're looking really haggard over there oh i'm just tired but it's okay we got another 10 minutes if you want do we really want to talk for 10 more minutes because i'm tired think, of all i don't people. think we really the dark them. half i mean you want to talk about the dark half i love that movie I mean, it's cheesy, and like Chris said earlier, the, the ending right, right. definitely Damn, falls she, apart. Yeah, like it just the whole time, the first time I saw it, like, oh, so it's either going to be a split personality or some supernatural thing. Like, no, here's all this like pseudoscience nonsense. Yeah. Like this, that they had to go and explain, like, just don't explain it, and it yeah. would have been better. And they're like, oh, here's this silly bullshit. But like, Timothy oh. Hutton was still really, really good he in this movie. Really he holds it together. For the first two acts, it's super tense and really good. It's probably not George Romero's fault that the story kind of takes a weird, weird turn. That's kind of on Stephen King. Well, that's a Stephen King fucking trademark. First two good two-thirds, and Andrew, like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. he runs out of coke. <laughs> well, that's, so. that's, that's why. Like, so I've, I've always felt like... He the, can't stick the landing. Yeah. I still love him. Yeah. He's still my favorite writer, yeah. but I'm always like... I get to the end of every book. I'm like, Stephen, what you doing, man? What you doing? Well, I think that's why he kind of went back and revisited, like, all the same themes of the dark half in... Uh, Bag of Bones? In, in uh, Secret Window, Secret Garden. Oh, yeah. That which had, is yeah. the same... It's the same idea, but way better executed and with a really, really good twist. And if George Romero had made that movie and not fucking David Cope, the king of mediocrity, that, that would have Johnny Depp in it, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was really cute in that movie. He had cute little Johnny Depp glasses and stuff. That movie is so mediocre. Secret <laughs> Window. Yeah, it is a very, very David Cope mediocre. Film. He yeah. certainly makes very middling, acceptable things. Yes, he does. <laughs> oh, secret window. Yes, yeah, so if if George Romero had adapted that instead mm-hmm. of the dark half, or if the dark half had like if Stephen King had been a little yeah. bit more sober and thought that through and come up with that <laughs> twist and like, I'm you know. I'm not gonna lie though, like coked out alcoholic Stephen King's my favorite Stephen King, and then that's like a bad thing to say because like he was destroying himself or whatever. Like, what's the movie? Uh, uh, with the uh, the vehicles coming to life. Oh, Maximum, Maximum Overdrive. Overdrive. He Maximum literally Overdrive. was coked out the entire time he made that, and it shows, and it's the bu- fucking best shit ever, because he was just like, <laughs> he was just like high, like, hey, man, let's have ACDC fucking do the whole soundtrack. Fuck it. I'm, I'm high. Yeah. He has, he has know, apologized like, for that movie. It's and- amazing, though. It's like, it's like, basically, you can tell it was just shit that Stephen King thought was fucking cool. Oh, yeah. And they just let him make it because he's fucking, it was like the height of his popularity and they're like, yeah. Stephen King, make a move. And he was like, all right, you got trucks that come to life. Milo Estevez, fucking people getting run over by lawnmowers and ACDC. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> ATMs yeah. killing motherfuckers. He didn't give a shit. That's the most, <laughs> that's like literally the personification of a coke like, you know, bender that they just let him do. Uh, just maximum overdrive. Maximum overdrive. I fucking love that movie. And it's, yes, it's terrible, but it's awesome still. <laughs> so. 
All right, you fuckers. We're going to wrap this show up. (laughs) Okay. This is episode 60 of Real Crime. We will be back next week. Yay. Bye-bye. Bye. Please, please, God. Visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes.